Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks that Jesus is indeed our good, gracious, and loving shepherd. And that when we are led by him, he always leads us to safe pastures. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. We may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all here, and good morning again to everyone watching via the live stream. So glad that you've joined us as well, and so good to see some familiar faces that we haven't seen in a while, and just bit by bit, as we get our vaccinations, folks are coming back, so we are so glad to see you, and we certainly understand those who aren't able to worship with us in person yet, and we're so glad to offer the option of the live stream and to have you worshiping together with us, even though we're apart physically. Today is what is known on the church calendar as Good Shepherd Sunday. It occurs every year at this juncture in the Easter season. And since we're looking at the Good Shepherd, Jesus will primarily be focusing on our gospel reading this morning. Our gospel reading contains what is one of what is known or are known as the I Am sayings of Jesus that are found in multiple places in St. John's Gospel. And there are also several in the book of Revelation. We read of another of Jesus' I am sayings earlier in John chapter 10, verse 7, where Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep. In this morning's reading, he tells us, I am the good shepherd. And all of this is said in response to the Pharisees, who in John chapter 9, in very similar fashion to what set the context for our reading in Acts this morning with the apostles, tried to discredit both Jesus and the man born blind whom Jesus has miraculously healed. And the Pharisees are not hearing here what Jesus is really saying. The Pharisees' issue was not so much a matter of intellectual comprehension as it was a matter of the heart. I think there's a lesson there for every one of us because mere intellectual assent to the truths of Christianity, while that is incredibly important, is not enough. We can't stop there. It must lead to a profound work of the Spirit in our lives. It must lead to inner transformation and Christ-likeness. And so, in their lack of understanding or this 18-inch gap, if you will, between head and heart, figuratively, Jesus addresses them through the imagery of sheep, and of shepherds, imagery which they were well acquainted with in their day. Every person living in Palestine was familiar with the life of a shepherd. It's something which they could relate to from everyday life. Now, when it comes to sheep and shepherds, there's so much that we can learn about the Christian faith. There is so much that we can learn about ourselves. And um, in just a moment, I'm going to have Jason show a brief video clip. I don't do videos a lot, but my wife found this one this week and sent it to me and said, I think this would make a great sermon illustration because it is a picture very much of exactly sometimes the way we live our lives and our need time and time and time and time again for Jesus, our good shepherd's grace and strength and rescuing. So I'm going to ask him to run this. For those of you who are watching via the live stream, there is no sound with this video clip. It's silent, but I think the imagery will say it all. (laughs) 
And that's it. I don't think I need to say a whole lot more, do I? (laughs) But I think the imagery stands and speaks for itself and regarding us sometimes. As we look at this text from John chapter 10 this morning, there are really two key subjects which Jesus speaks about in this parable and I want to focus on this morning. The first component is commitment. Commitment both of the shepherd and also commitment of the sheep. And then secondly, relationship, intimate fellowship between the shepherd and the sheep. So let's begin with commitment. And we'll begin with the shepherd himself where we see that the shepherd, the good shepherd is fully committed to the sheep. And we see this demonstrated, I think, in this text in two specific ways. First, we see it through the shepherd's sacrifice in verses 11 through 13. Again, in verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In that day, people understood the difference, the distinction between a good shepherd and a bad or an incompetent shepherd. Shepherds live with their sheep 24-7. Sheep, unlike many other animals, um, you know about domesticated animals, sheep are kind of pretty low on the, on the spectrum in terms of their intelligence. Um, they're right down there with cows, which are one of the dumbest creatures I've ever been around in my life, and I spent a lot of time around cows. But sheep are right there with cattle. And sheep, unlike many other animals, could not find pasture on their own. They were dependent upon the shepherd to find food for them. Sheep also needed what was known as still water. Still water versus fast or running water, or they wouldn't drink. They wouldn't drink from water that was running quickly. So it was incumbent upon the shepherd to locate still water for the sheep to drink. Reminds us of our reading from Psalm 23 this morning, doesn't it? Where verse 2 tells us, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. The shepherd also had to defend the sheep from attack by wild animals and theft, even at the risk of his life. And shepherds indeed did sometimes die defending their sheep. A shepherd would count his sheep two times a day, both in the morning and in the evening to make sure none was missing, Missing, which brings to mind another of Jesus' parables for us with the 90 and 9. These were all traits of a good and competent and responsible shepherd. Scriptures also use the shepherd imagery repeatedly to speak of Israel's rulers. The most important Old Testament scripture passage employing shepherd imagery for our understanding of John 12 is Ezekiel 34, which was our Old Testament reading this morning. And if we look at the entirety of Ezekiel chapter 34, we see that God removes and judges Israel's leaders for being unfaithful shepherds to the people entrusted to their care. These bad shepherds in Israel in the midst of their sin and failure are removed by God and we find that God himself steps in and God promises to Israel to do two things. If we read on beyond this morning's Old Testament reading through Ezekiel 34, we see that first God promises that he himself will be their shepherd. And secondly, God promises Israel 
that the shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the Messiah, will come from the line of David, who himself was a good shepherd. So we look at all of this. It's critical for us to understand that when Jesus says he is the good shepherd, he is not saying he is a good shepherd. He is not saying that he is like a good shepherd. Jesus is clearly making a statement readily understood by the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders who he is confronting that he is the promised good shepherd, the one who is the fulfillment of Ezekiel 34. He is the good shepherd foretold by Ezekiel who stands in stark contrast to these corrupt and unfaithful shepherds. And he is saying to them, I am the one, I am this promised, prophesied servant in the line of David. I am, I am the good shepherd. And as the good shepherd, as the one the prophets foretold, I am God the Son, the one who will ultimately lay down his life. And where the physical death of a typical shepherd in Palestine meant disaster, harm, and even death for the sheep. In this case, with Jesus, the good shepherd, his sacrificial death brings life, supernatural and eternal to those who are his. In his coming to earth, in his sinless life, in his sacrificial death, in his resurrection, in his ascension right back to the right hand of the Father, and in his ruling and reigning on high, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, demonstrates his absolute and total commitment to his sheep. We're reminded of that every Sunday in our Eucharistic prayers. All of these things that Jesus, through his atoning death and his resurrection, has accomplished for us, for each of us who is indeed truly in Christ. We have our great and good shepherd's commitment to us demonstrated by his sacrifice. The shepherd is fully committed to the sheep, to you and to me. In addition to being fully committed within this context, the shepherd in his full commitment is also the owner of the sheep. Verses 12 and 13 of John 10 contrast the good shepherd who owns the sheep with a hireling, someone who has simply paid a wage to watch over the sheep. The fact is this, brothers and sisters, you simply have a deeper level of care and commitment and concern when you own something, when it belongs to you, when you've paid for something. It's an important lesson we all know as parents that there are times when children need to understand the value of working hard and earning something rather than simply having it handed to them because it teaches them to value things and to value that which is important in life and to see the fruit of labors. Both Tammy and I and her parents um, separately, but we, we own rental properties and most tenants are wonderful tenants but with some folks, there is a different mindset when you don't own it yourself. And I could tell a lot of stories. Um, 
But I'll just share one. Tammy's dad had a tenant who had been in a unit for a year and gave notice and was getting ready to move out. So he went over to do a walkthrough with her and the place, and this was a place that had just been rehabbed. The place was just destroyed. And her response was, oh yeah, I I move once a year and then I get a brand new clean house to start all over with. There's a difference when you've acquired something through your own labor and the sweat of your brow at times than when something is simply done for you. It's especially true when something has been acquired at great price. And this is what Jesus Christ has done for every single one of us through his death. He, brothers and sisters, has acquired us. He's acquired us with great price, with his own life's blood being poured out, with bearing the penalty that we deserved. And embracing and living with Christ the Savior mandates, it requires full surrender to his ownership by God's grace and power at work in us. Because he is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He's not a hireling. He's not someone paid to do the work for someone else. He is the eternal son of God who did all the work for us. And if we are his sheep, the Lord Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, owns us. Do you hear that recurring theme? That's not something I just sought to bring out, but it has come naturally out of each of our preaching texts in recent weeks, that God calls us to full surrender and commitment to him and that we need to yield and surrender ourselves in ever-increasing members, in ever-increasing um, ways to, to Christ, who is our Lord, who is our all, the one who gave his life for us, because we belong to him. We are his. We are servants of the Most High God. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture, and brothers and sisters, Despite what the world might tell us, that is not a bad thing. It is a good thing to be submitted to the Lord. It is a glorious thing to be under Christ's rule and reign in our lives and the life of our church. And he, out of his grace, knowing what is best for us, calls us to complete, total surrender and yieldedness to him in our lives and nothing else. Remember the quote that I shared last week of those Moravian missionaries as they were headed to the West Indies. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. The shepherd, brothers and sisters, our good shepherd Jesus is fully committed to his sheep. And then the second major point, the shepherd lives in intimate fellowship, intimate relationship with the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. There are two points we need to grasp here. First, the shepherd knows the sheep. He knows us intimately. If we look back at the preceding parable in John chapter 10, Jesus tells us that he knows his sheep by name. Shepherds in ancient Palestine knew every single sheep that belonged to them. They knew the details. They knew the unique traits of every one of those sheep. 
And I can relate to that in, in some ways. I have cousins who are dairy farmers up in Maryland, and I spent, especially in my high school, college, and young adult years, I spent a lot of time working on their farm. And they, at that time, they're scaled back a little bit now, were milking about 300 Holstein cattle, which means when you count heifers and calves and all that, they probably had five to 600 animals on the farm at any given time. And it is an absolutely amazing thing because whether it be up close or whether it be with that animal out in the midst of the herd on pasture, three or 400 yards away at a glance from any angle, they could tell you what number that cow was. Often they could tell you if it was a pedigreed cow, what its full name was. They could tell you its health history. They could tell you its bloodline just at a glance. And I mean, even though Holstein cattle have distinct markings, after a while, unless they have very unique markings, they all kind of look alike. But as my, uh, my mom's cousin said one day, he said, well, when you spend 18 hours a day with them, you kind of learn what each one of them looks like and you know all about them. But that's the way God knows us. He knows every intimate detail of our lives. Every sin struggle, every trial, every joy, every desire and longing of our hearts. And that is an incredible, wonderful, encouraging, and also sometimes a frightening thought. That God knows us. Speaking of his omniscience, that he is all-knowing. And that even when God knows everything about you and me, including all the words, he, as our good shepherd, still loves us. He loves us. Jesus is our good shepherd and he knows his sheep. And then secondly and conversely, the sheep know the shepherd. Verse 14b, Jesus says, my sheep know me. John chapter 10, verses four through five, backing up again earlier, the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from for they do not know the voice of strangers. In ancient Palestine, multiple shepherds would and could put their pens in or their sheep in one pen for the night. Yet the sheep mixed into that pen from all of these different flocks would only respond to the voice of their shepherd to go out in the morning to pasture. They, they knew their shepherd's unique voice, his calls. They knew the tones that he played on his pipe. Why did they know his voice so well? Why? Because they spent all their time with the shepherd day in and day out. We know the voice of the shepherd. We know Christ our Lord intimately only as we spend time with him. Time listening to his voice. Time in prayer. Time meditating upon his word. Time studying his word. And I think when we look at this text, it reminds us that prayer is so much more than talking because prayer first and foremost is listening and waiting in God's presence and letting him speak to us. 
so that we as his sheep know his voice. As we experience fellowship with him through the work of the Holy Spirit, as we join together and hear his voice in corporate worship and encounter him profoundly in the Eucharist. And all of this is so incredibly important because our world is filled with other voices. Voices clamoring for our attention and our loyalty, even very often voices who claim to speak for the shepherd. But we don't know and we don't learn the voice of the shepherd and experience intimate fellowship with him through those voices. We don't know the shepherd's voice by listening to imposters and counterfeits and then trying to draw a comparison. You don't experience intimate fellowship with the shepherd and learn his voice simply by listening to me. We learn his voice by spending time, lots of time with him. Which I think raises the question for each of us. We need the question we need to ask ourselves, do we know his voice? Is his voice clear? And distinctive to us? Or does it get muddied up with a lot of the noise and the voices around us who don't necessarily speak truthfully from Him? Can you and I distinguish His voice from other voices around us? Can we distinguish His voice from the voice, if you will, of our flesh? which speaks about our own wants and desires rather than surrender to his will for our lives. It only comes by spending time with him, by spending time with Jesus, our good shepherd. He is, brothers and sisters, the good shepherd who has demonstrated his total commitment to us and to all of his sheep down through the ages and that the good shepherd laid down his very life for us. And he calls us to full commitment by surrendering and continuing in ever greater measure to yield fully to his ownership and his rule and reign in our lives. May we be a people who know and listen to and obey the voice of our good shepherd. Let us pray. Father, again, we give you thanks and praise that Jesus is indeed our good shepherd, the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. Yet his life was raised up again. And he continues to lead us to green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. And Father, your heart's desire your plan and purpose and will for our lives is that we would walk in intimate fellowship with you. That we would know and discern the voice of Jesus, our good shepherd. Lord, give us grace to do that in ever increasing measure as individuals, as families, as a church. And Lord, may the noise around us, the noise and the voices that clamor for our attention and for our affections, may they all fall by the wayside. 
so that our eyes are solely fixed on Jesus, our good shepherd, our great high priest, the author and finisher of our faith. And we ask all this in his great name. Amen.